This is KMTT. On Wednesdays, we have the Shi'u of Harav Ezra Bik on the Shmon Esri. This week, we're going to take a time out from our practice of examining individual brachot and understanding them. The bracha that we're up to is Bukat Kedusha, the third bracha. The bracha about Kedusha. In order to understand the bracha, we have to understand what the word, the concept, Kedusha means what we first do. So today we're only going to discuss what I think Kedusha means and we'll continue in the next sessions in understanding what the particular Bacha that we're going to read, the third Bacha of Shemoneshe is saying about it. In order to understand Kedusha, I'm not talking about Kedusha in general. Kedusha means a lot of things in Halacha. Uh, I mean Kedusha in the context of Tefillah. We have a concept called Davar Shebik Kedusha. There are certain kinds of Tefillot certain kinds of uh, recitations, which are defined halachically as Dabash Shabikdusha. What this means halachically is the Klal, the Gemara and Bracha says, Ein Dabash Shabikdusha Erebasa. Mishnah in Mishnah Megillah, Gemara and Brachas, you need a minion to say Dabash Shabikdusha. Okay, but what is a Dabash Shabikdusha? Offhand, your answer, Davashim Kedusha is a tefillah which mentions Kedusha. For instance, the tefillah called Kedusha. The recitation, the psukim we say in Shemon in Chazar Hashatz, in the third bracha, begin the Kadesh Shemcha Bolam, and then you say Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. It talks about Kedusha. The tefillah we call Kaddish, which also mentions a little bit the word Kedusha. It kadel v'yit kadesh. should begin to become suspicious already. It's not a very major element in the tefillah called Kaddish, the word Kedusha. Here's once in the beginning. The heart of Kaddish is Yehei Shmei Rabbah Mevarach L'Adam Al-Mayel Maya. But why, why argue about Kaddish? The third most uh, well-known Example of a Dava Shabikdusha is Baruchu. Baruchu et Hashem Amevorach, Baruch Adoshem Amevorach, Lolam Vayad. The word Kedusha is not mentioned here at all. So apparently, everyone agrees that Baruchu is Dava Shabikdusha. Apparently, Dava Shabikdusha is not something which mentions Kedusha, which talks about Kedusha. What then, what then is it? After the big three, Kedusha, Kaddish, and Baruch So there are disagreements as to what else could possibly be a Dabash Kedusha. Some Mishorim think that Birkas Kohanim is a Dabash Kedusha. The Rashba says that Yud Gimel Midot is a Dabash Kedusha. Many Mishorim think that, well, it's basically Baruch but the Baruch Birkas HaTorah B'Tzibu, including Baruch is a Dabash Kedusha. What is a Davashim Kedusha? How do we define it? I want to read to you a comment made by Rabbeinu Yona in Brachas, in the third parak. Um, the topic there is something else entirely. The topic there is whether or not the Kedusha which appears in before Kriyatshma, in Birkat Yotza, and the Kedusha which appears in Avadat Sir, it's called Kedusha the Sidra, whether they are real Kedushot which require Asava or not. Some Mishanam, the Raman, for instance, said that if you don't have a minion, you can't say those Kedushot. We don't pass them that way. So Benyon is discussing that question, and his conclusion is going to be that we don't pass them that way. 
that you don't need a minion to say Kedusha of Yotzeh. Or of And then he brings the following statement, the following argument. The commentary is written by a student of Benoyana. He quotes a Benoyana. Mori Harav, that's a Benoyana, agrees that you don't need a minion for these other two Kedushot. Kedusha of Yeltsin and Kedusha de Sidra. And he argued a Benoyana from the language. The language of the Gemara is called Dabashibikdusha. Every Dabashibikdusha needs 10. But Yonah says that can't possibly be literal. literal. Why? For after all, says the Ben Yonah, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, included in the category of Dabashu Bektusha is Kiryat Shema. Why? She'ein lecha Dabashu Bektusha yoter mi Dabashu Eshba Ol Machut Shemaim. For what could be a greater Dabash Bektusha than something which is Ol Malchut Shemaim? The acceptance of the oak of the kingdom of heaven. V'yafilo Achi, nonetheless, it's not included in the statement every Dabash Bektusha needs a meaning, as we all know, Kriyachma. Can we say without a meaning? There's no question about that. So therefore, Ben conclusion is that not every Dabash Bektusha needs a meaning. And therefore, even Kedusha, even Kadosh, 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 may not need a minion. When does it need a minion? There's a very strange statement, which I'll come back to later on. So, which Dabash Kedusha needs a minion, which doesn't? So, Ben Yonah says the following, This is the meaning of the Gemara. The statement should be, it should read, every Dabash Kedusha, which requires ten, requires ten. Okay, so that doesn't make any sense at all, I admit. We'll come back to, to explaining what he said, but I'm interested in his premise. Ben Yonah said, as something which is obvious, undeniable, that's what he said, it's undeniable. This was his, the source of his proof. Kriyat Shema is undoubtedly a Dabash HaBikdusha. For, Ein Lecha Dabash HaBikdusha Yoter Midavar Sheyesh Ba'on Machut Shemayim. The greatest Dabash HaBikdusha imaginable is the acceptance of the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. Venyona thinks this is undeniable. He thinks this is obvious. It wasn't obvious to me when I first read it. In fact, I fell off my chair. Venyona is saying that the most paradigmatic example of Adobe Shabikdusha is saying Kriyachma. In the end, that won't be Adobe Shabikdusha which requires a minion. But in terms of the theme, in terms of the content, Venyona says, Ein lecha Adobe Shabikdusha yoter. What is the meaning of such that the finest, most paradigmatic example will be the kingdom of God, the, the yoke of the kingdom of God? I think the answer is as follows. Malchut, kingship, is the quality which the quality of God the attribute of God 
to which we immediately and most obviously understand that its very existence and nature and magnitude, especially its magnitude, is dependent on its recognition by people. It's a famous slogan that arose in the Middle Ages. The first place I found it is in the Kamatei Vibinu Bachya. And later on became quite common, especially in Chassidut, but other areas as well. Ein melech below am. There cannot be a king without a people. Or to put it differently, a king without subjects is not quite a king. Not completely a king. The acceptance of the kingship of the king by his subjects is itself a constituting ingredient in his kingship. It's not merely recognition of a fact. If I walk into a room and the wall is white and I say it's white, the wall doesn't become any whiter. The whiteness of the wall is not dependent on whether I recognize it or not. But, the kingship of the king, Malchut HaMelech, is to a great extent dependent on the recognition of that fact. It's not merely recognition. It's constitutive. When I say the king is king, he becomes king. In fact, that's the way a king becomes a king. When you want to anoint the king, so the people get together, and then it says in the Torah, it says in the Tanakh, when describing how Shaul HaMelech became king, they all say, Yechi HaMelech. When you say Yechi HaMelech, you make the king king. That's the way you put the, 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 the crown on his head. And the reason for that is because Ein Melech Beloam, a king without subjects, is not a king. If we deny to the king his rule over us, if we eliminate ourselves as his subjects, by his not having subjects, he's not a king. Or at least, I want to put it somewhat more mildly, not quite the same way. This idea is, I've said this many times to many different uh, occasions, so maybe some of you might have heard it before, this idea, in fact, is something which we learned at a very, very early age, although it's philosophically very, very deep. But it's taught to Jewish children at, uh, at the age of five. Later on, when you get older, you more or less stop saying it because you're in a rush to daven. You don't have time. Adon olam asher malach b'terem kol niva, master of the world, who ruled, who became a melech before anything existed. God was king, although nothing existed. But when everything is done according to his will, then, let me add, only then, is his name called king. There are two aspects to God. God is king because he's king. Before the world was created, he was king. If he wasn't king as, a, as an attribute of God's existence, then he wouldn't be king afterwards either. God is the true king, therefore we recognize him as king. But nonetheless, it's true. That's only one side of the picture. The other side of the picture is when the world obeys God, when his will, is mashayesh, is asiya, azai, then, shmo nikra, azai melech, shmo nikra, then his name is is king. What Rabbi Yonah is teaching us is that that is the meaning of 
What does it mean to say that something is holy? The word Kedusha, as opposed to any other word we use, is a word whose original locus is God. When I say about God that He is wise or good or merciful, I'm taking a word whose original meaning was in my world. I knew people who were smart or wise or merciful or, 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 or anything else. And I apply that word to God. How can you apply a word taken from man to God? A good cycle, a good philosophical question. They argued about it in the Middle Ages. They argue about it to this day. So let's just say I'm giving a simple answer, not necessarily the correct answer. You take the word, and as it applies to God, it applies multiplied by a million or ten million times more, but it's basically the same word. It, it, it maybe it changes the meaning by, by multiplying it, by putting it in relationship to God. But it's the, the meaning of the word derived originally from the human sphere. Sanctity has the opposite relationship. When I say something is sacred, what I mean is that it shares in the quality of God. It's also godlike. But the word Kedusha is a word which describes God. And that's why we really don't know what it means. We can't positively say what the content of the word is. Because it's not equivalent or, or similar or, or based on anything else which, we, which we're familiar with. God is other. To say something is holy is to say that it's not like anything else. And in fact, that's what the Ramban, the famous Ramban, says in the beginning of the Pasha. You should be holy, for holy am I, the Lord thy God. Ramban says the word Kedoshim means perushim, separated. Unless you think that that's only telling you that you should be separated, which is what the Ramban says the mitzvah is, Kedoshim to you, perushim to you, you should separate yourselves, you should be somewhat abstain from things which otherwise you would do, not drink too much, not eat too much. Remember the Pasuk says, you should be Kedoshim ki Kedoshani, for I am holy. So the Pasuk says, you should withhold, you should be separated because God is separated. What does it mean he's separated? In modern terms, we have a different word for that. We say God is transcendent. God is above and beyond the world. He's not part of the world. That's what the word Kedusha means in its original locus. Now again, I'm not saying anything positive, but I'm saying what he's not. God is Kadosh means he's not part of this world. He transcends the world. He's above the world. He's the holy other, to use an expression popularized by Rudolf Otto in a book that was called The Holy. But we do use the word Kedusha in this world. What does it mean when I say that there is Kedusha in the world? If the word Kedusha means out of the world. I think that's the, the point that's being made here. Ein melech below am. If we accept the yoke of heaven, we aren't merely affecting ourselves, we aren't merely recognizing that God is king, we are constituting God's kingship, we are increasing, we are adding to God's kingship. But Ben Yonah is telling us that that is what the word Kedusha in the world means. If God is totally out of the world, then how can God be in the world? The answer is, when we become the basis for God's presence in the world, that's what it means that there is Kedusha. If we add to God's majesty in the world, if we add to God's presence in the world, the addition is Kedusha.
when you reflect in an imperfect manner the totally otherworldly perfection of God, that's Kedusha in the world. When you take God's majesty, which surpasses and transcends anything that could possibly be in the world, it doesn't, doesn't even begin to be similar to the kingship of, 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 of James I or Charles II. Kingship means beyond and greater than the world. But we, this little teeny imperfect world, these little teeny imperfect people, by saying God is king, what's that worth? Think about it. Even though it's the imperfect uh, uh, praising, it's the imperfect accepting the rule of the perfect, it adds to the perfection. There's a paradox here, but that's what it means. That is called Kedusha. We create Kedusha. We don't just recognize it. We create Kedusha, not by creating Kedusha. We create Kedusha by, by, being, by recognizing God's presence in the world. And that is why ultimately, Baruchu is no less a Dabasha Kedusha than Kedusha. Just saying, Baruch Atah Hashem, Baruch Hashem Avorach Laulam Vaed, because I've said it, forget what I said, because I've said it, I, a person in this world, my mouth is filled with the praises of God, then God is found in my mouth. God, who is wholly other, is now found in my mouth. And that is constitutive, that creates God's presence in the world by the very fact that I've magnified, I've said more than there was before. Pasuk says about Avraham Avinu that he came to Eretz Israel. And he came and he built a Mizbech, he built an altar, Vayikra B'Shem Hashem. Because I were worried about the meaning of those words. He called on the name of God. What does that mean? It doesn't mean he prayed, he asked for things. He called on the name of God. If he wanted to pray, so he prayed. What do you mean he called on the name of God? So the Major says two things. One of which is called by Rashi, one not by Rashi. Major says, Hikri et Shem Hashem b'fi kol He got other people, he built the altar, called people to come, and he taught them to mention God in their speech. Avraham Avinu's life was simply to get more people to talk about God. The Ramban prefers the second Midrash that says, no, no, he called out in God's name, but aloud. He said, this Mizbeach is for God. So what's the, what's the special thing about it here? The point is that before Avraham Avinu, nobody called on God's name, and now people did call on God's name, and that puts God into the world. The Midrash, which I think I quoted two weeks ago, in the context of the first Bach of Shemaneseh, Achot Lanu Ktana Zu Avram Avinu. We have a little sister, the word Achot means sister, but also has the same root as to mend. Avram Avinu mended the tear, She'icha et hakera. Before Avram Avinu, God wasn't in the world. But Avram Avinu, God is in the world. Why? Because Vayikra B'Shem Hashem. Calling out in God's name means that God is there. She pointed out something which sometimes we don't pay attention to because we're so used to not mentioning God's name explicitly. But Shem Hashem, the name of God, means for Chazal, God. Not only in the sense that we call the, the ineffable name of God, you don't say neither Adut nor Yud Kevavke, you say Hashem. That's a, that's a substitution. But no, when, when, when Chazal say the expression Kiddush Hashem, they don't mean Kiddush Elohim, but they use a different word for it. They mean sanctifying the name of God. 
because I know that because the pasuk says that the pasuk doesn't replace God's name with other verbs. We don't, you don't sanctify God, you sanctify God's name. What does it mean, a name of God? The answer, I think, is simple. The name of God is God when someone else is calling on Him. If no one else existed, God wouldn't really have a name. Nobody would be mentioning it. The name of God is God in your mouth. In other words, the name of God is God in relationship to the world. If nobody calls on God, then God doesn't have a relationship to the world. He's not in the world. He's out of the world. He's kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Transcendent, transcendent, and even more transcendent. But when we call on God's name, then God is found there. Just like, and in fact, paradigmatically, when we say, when we accept the yoke of heaven, then God is now king in the world, and not just king in abstract. And any mention of God's name, any praise of God, means God exists in the world, and not just that same that same shevach, that same praise is true in the world, and not just out of the world. And that is something that only people can do. It creates a real difference. The creation of the presence of God is kedusha, is holiness in the world. And that's what I think a davash b'kedusha is. A davash b'kedusha is any prayer whose purpose and effect is to increase the presence of God in the world. Based on that, we understand the distinction that Rabbi Yon is trying to make between those which require ten and those which don't. Any, what I just described is true, but it might not be the purpose. Why isn't Kriyashma required ten? Where I'm saying a prayer and the, the, the effect is to bring God into this presence in front of me, that requires 10. The reason is because, uh, I'm not explaining the reason, but the reason is because the ability to support the presence of Shechina belongs to Am Yisrael, not to individuals. B'nikdashti betoch b'nei Yisrael. B'nei Yisrael the receptacle. They're the, 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 the bearers of the actual Kedusha, the actual presence of God in the world. Kriyachma, on the other hand, the reason why you say Kriyachma twice a day is not to increase God's presence in the world. Kriyachma is about you. A loyal citizen has to say the Pledge of Allegiance. When we say Kriyachma, we're pledging our loyalty to God, not making God king. Now, I think both things take place. The more people are loyal to God, the more God is king. But it's not what we're trying to do now. And you can do that without ten. Uh, the, on the contrary, the single individual Jew gets up in the morning, the first thing he does is he salutes and says, I am your loyal servant and you are my God. That's about myself. I'm pledging my allegiance. I'm defining myself as Eved, not defining God as, as king. Although, obviously, logically, the two are interrelated totally. So that's what Rabbeinu Yonah means, that any Davash Bektusha, which Chazal told to say, Kol Davash kan Omro, Mishum Kedusha, if the reason why we're commanded to do it is to create Kedusha, it needs ten. If the reason why we're commanded to do it is for some other reason, then it doesn't need ten. And in terms of the, the different the three Kedusha we say in the morning, so Kedusha and Shemones apparently is to create Kedusha, and the Kedusha 
in Yotzer, as Beriona had said beforehand, is we're quoting what the Malachim do. We're simply telling a story. We're not actually trying to create Tusha now. Same thing for Tusha the Sidra. Okay, so this is, again, we're speaking about what does Ketusha mean in the context of Tefillah. Dabba Shabik Tusha. I want to explain necessarily what it means to say that uh, the Beis Hamikdash has Ketusha. I think we might have, I might have explained this, but it wasn't my intention. I'm trying to explain is why certain Tefillot of Dabba Shabik Tusha, because they create the framework for the actual increase in God's presence. More people call out in God's name, God is in fact more present. More people describe God as king, God is more king. More people to say that God is, is Baruch, there's more Bracha. You should point out that the usual, well, I don't know if it's the usual, the explanation, one explanation given in the Middle Ages for how we say the words, blessed are you, O God, Baruch Hashem, who am I to bless God? What does it mean even to bless God? So the explanation, which simply turns everything on its head, says that it means you are the source of all blessings. You can't bless God. But you're declaring, before you eat a piece of bread, you say, blessed are you. Who gave us the bread? We mean you are the source of the fact that gave us that, that, that you gave us the bread. But that, that's hardly the pshat. The opposite explanation, which I'm really suggesting now, and the Bab said it was uh, the Bab used to use this explanation all the time, as well as others. He said, "Yes, we are blessing God. How can you bless God? You can't bless God, but you can bless the name of God." When we recognize that God is the source of our bread, and we say it, Baruch Ata Hashem, Hamotzi Lecha Mina Aretz then we are adding to God's presence in the world. Bringing bread out of the earth is in the world. And by our blessing God, God is present in that bringing bread out of the world. That it's possible to add strength to God, to add something to God, is in fact an explicit verse in the Torah. And prays to God for forgiveness for the Jews after the sin of the spies, after Chet Aglim, and he quotes the Yudgimel Midot, which he had learned earlier, after the sin of the golden calf. He wants God to forgive, and he says, And now let the strength of God be magnified, as you have said, as you have told me in the past, saying, and then he has Hashem, uh, he has Vachum Vachanun, Erech Apayim Vachesed, etc. And then it says, Vayomar Hashem, Salachti Kidvarecha. I have forgiven them as you said. The Pasuk is explicitly saying, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, I know that you, God, don't have the strength to forgive them. So increase your strength. And then you'll forgive them. And God says, Okay, I forgive them as you said. Moshe Rabbeinu's recital, the Yigimu Midot, increased God's ability to forgive. You say, that's what I just said, that was heresy. God didn't have the ability to forgive? Of course he had. God has infinite power. But the presence of the attribute of mercy and forgiveness, that presence needs to be strengthened before it can operate. And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say to God, call on your reserves of power in the heavens and bring them down to the earth. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I will increase the reserves of power in the earth. The reserves of power of God in the earth. Let the power of God to forgive be increased as you have told me. 
שם רחום וחנון, ערך אפיים ואף חסד, נוצר חסד, אלפים, That is what it means that, that a person is Kadosh. A person is Kadosh when he serves as the receptacle. He serves as the basis. He serves as the, uh, uh, the base for the increase of God's presence in the world. Expression of Chazal Merkava Lashchina The chariot of the presence of God. That is Kadosh. And that's why Ketusha in Shemesha begins with the words, Nikadesh et Shemcha ba'olam, Kashem Shemati Shemoto b'Shemei Marom. We will sanctify your name in this world as the angels do in, in the heavens. This quality, God in the world, is referred to by the word Shem. The quotation I had before from Adon Olam, Adon Olam Hashem Malach, God was king before the world was created, but everything goes according to His will, then His name shall be called king. God's name is king, that's in the world. God is king, that's out of the world. So one way of expressing it, this idea is to refer to Shem Hashem. That's the use, very often the use of Chazal. As an expression, the Kadesh Shmo. Kiddush Hashem. Kiddush Hashem is when the world reflects on God and His mercy and His power and His might and His sanctity. Another expression used, especially in Psukim, is Kvod Hashem, which is translated usually correctly, I think, as the glory of God, but, but the word means more or less the honor of God, the covet of God. When Moshe Rabbeinu finishes the Mishkan, finishes building the tabernacle, which is so that God should dwell, so to speak, in the tabernacle. Uchvod Hashem nira al hamishkan. And the glory of God was apparent over the, over the tabernacle. The shoresh, the root of the word kavod, is kaved. Heavy. Kvod, kvod Hashem is what we, is, is the weight we feel when God rests on us. Literally. And of course, honor is also that. If no one honors you, then you have no honor. Honor is what people give you. Kvod Hashem is God's glory as reflected amidst the people who see it. Kvod Hashem nir'ah. The glory of God is visible. In the heavens, what glory is there? There's nobody there. I mean, the angels are there. In, 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 God's, in God's isolation, before the world was created, Ayei Kvodo. Where was His glory? Where was His honor? Against on, on, on what screen was it being reflected? So I think, therefore, I'm saying Shem Hashem and Kvod Hashem are, are basically synonyms. A third word to express, this is what I said before, based on Ben Yonah, Malchut Hashem. The kingship of God is God's greatness over something, over people, over a people, over a nation, over those who accept His, or those who accept his rule. We have one sentence which almost magically puts all three together. Baruch, Kvod, Shem, Malchuto, Lulam, Va'ed. Blessed. Baruch is the verb which expresses this idea of Yisrael and Baruch. But what, what, what are we blessing? Kvod, Shem, Malchuto. The glory of the name of His kingdom. It's all three words put together. When is this recited? So we know it's recited after when we say Kriyachma. The 
halachic obligation for Baruch Shekel Machuto. So when the Jews would be in the Beit HaMikdash, and the Kohenim or the Kohen Gadon would say the name of God, the true and ineffable name of God, the Yud Kei the Tetragrammaton, Havaya. The people would hear it, they would fall on their faces and say, when, when, when God is present, when God's name was said out loud by the Kohen Gadol, remember, in sanctity and purity, they heard the name of God coming out of the, the high priest. So they fall on their face and they say, when, you, when, when God becomes present, that's what you say. Shem Kvod Malchut. Baruch Shem Kvod Malchuto. Blessed is the name of the glory of the kingdom of God. All three of these words, these are the three ways of expressing this idea, and here they run together. There's so much presence of God that you have to fall on your feet. Why do you fall on your feet? Because it's really there. You fall on your feet, it's not a sign of, a sign of respect. That would be enough to bow. You fall on your feet because your feet can't stand anymore. You're overwhelmed with the otherworldliness of God in the world. You're overwhelmed by the transcendence of God coming into the world and therefore almost pushing the world aside. Because there is an inherent contradiction between the two. And therefore you fall flat on your face. Our job now is given this given this idea. This I think is the is the meaning of the word Kedusha. Remember that when you daven, you're in the presence of God. That's why it's going to be present in Shmanesa. Tefillah is to stand before the king. So this will be our key. We will now read the bracha and see what's being expressed, what ideas, and why the bracha is phrased the way it is. However, before we do that, we're going to do it a little bit out of order. First, next week, since we're already, you know, in Davash Abiktushah, so we will first explain the language, the text of Kedusha, of the Birkat HaKedushah, Kadosh Baruch and Yimloch. And only in two weeks will we come back to the actual Shemar and explain, Atta Kadosh Shemcha Kadosh, Utoshim Yom, Yaladu Chasana.